Well, welcome to Equipped, a podcast by Connection Church. Uh, Equipped is a conversation about multiplying gospel community and fueling spiritual growth. Uh, There's one clear goal for this podcast, and that is to equip leaders to multiply. Uh, We want to help people follow Jesus, make disciples, lead small groups, and plant churches. Uh, My name's Brandon Williams, and I'll be leading you through today's conversation. So let's get equipped. So if you listen to the last podcast that I was a part of, um, you remember we began looking at an aspect of being equipped that is really about coming to fullness in Christ. And so uh, we're going to continue this thought of how do we come to fullness in Jesus? Part of being equipped is to be restored, to be made whole, um, to be mended, to be repaired, I talked about last time, it's a word that's used, the Greek word for equipped is the same word that's used to uh, describe Peter when he's uh, mending his nets and he's repairing them, they're becoming useful again. And so that's what God wants for us. He wants for us to be mended. He wants for us to be repaired. He wants for us to be useful for his kingdom and to not have any hindrance in us coming to know Him and walking in relationship with Him. He wants to free us, as we looked at last time in John chapter 8, 31 and 32, where Jesus says, if we know the truth and we hold to that truth, the truth will set us free. And so we know this is something that God wants for us, but it's something that we really struggle with. And today I want us to really look at one of the reasons that we struggle so much with being able to have Um, this freedom that God wants to give us? Uh, Why do we struggle so much with um, this issue of uh, being mended and being repaired? We walk around wounded, um, still uh, broken in many ways. So how do we begin this process of mending and repairing? And so I want to read a passage of Scripture as we get started. It's actually out of Romans chapter 3. And it says this, it's speaking about the law from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, which was a very works-based system. Um, It was to keep the law, it was to do right, it was to obtain righteousness through uh, the law that God had given, through like the Ten Commandments, those types of things, which was impossible for anyone to do. The law was not designed to save us, it was to point us to our need for a Savior. And so as Paul here is talking about the law, just keep that in mind. It was very performance-based. And so Paul, as he's writing to the church in Rome, he says this in Romans 3.21. He says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. And so he's saying there's a new way of righteousness, and he's saying the law and the prophets actually pointed us 
to this way. And so it says then in verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so what he's beginning to show us is that it's no longer based on our ability. Now it's based on what Jesus has done through his ability. And now it comes to us, this new righteousness, by faith and trusting in what Jesus has done for us. And so he goes on then in 23, one of the most famous uh, passages uh, in Scripture uh, that so many people know is that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we've none of us have obtained to what God's designed for us, his, his design for us to what was really to be like Christ. Um, but we've all fallen short of that. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark, so to speak. In verse 24, it says, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, in His patience, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And so to kind of recap all of that, what it's basically telling us is that now God has made us righteous, not through our own ability, not through our own keeping of the law, but because Jesus came and kept the law for us. He did for us what we cannot do. He performed in a way that we can't. And so now, by grace, we've been uh, atoned for. We have been, as if you could say, at one now with God um, because of Jesus and because of the sacrifice that he made. And it even says that this sacrifice that Christ made, through that sacrifice, God was demonstrating his righteousness. And through Jesus, all the sin before was paid for. Um, that it was the righteous way, I've heard it said this way, that it was the righteous way um, that God was making the unrighteous righteous. And so as we look at this today, I want you to really pick up on this part, that the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was a works-based system in how we came to God and how we made ourselves right for God, how we worked really hard to come to this place of being accepted by God. And I want you to remember that because what we're going to talk about really ties into that. And I would say this, that most people today, even people who are Christians, who believe in Jesus, most of us still live with an Old Testament mindset. Most of us still struggle to accept what God says in Romans 3 was given to us freely by faith in Jesus. We have a really hard time understanding that this is a free gift, that we didn't do anything to earn it that we don't have to do anything to maintain it, that it comes to us freely through faith. Now, here's where our struggle really comes in. We talked about in the first podcast how our experience teaches us things about life, and those experiences are true. 
But many times the conclusions we draw from those experiences are not true. And so what happens is our truth doesn't line up with a biblical worldview. And so the world teaches us things that are untrue. The experience really happened, but the feelings and the thoughts and the truths we draw from that sometimes aren't true. They don't line up with Scripture. We can begin to make conclusions about God, ourselves, others, our purpose in life based off of these experiences that just aren't true. The experience is true. The conclusion isn't. And so here's what happens. The world we live in, the way the God of this age, as the Bible describes the enemy, Satan, the devil, the way that the, the enemy, the God of this age, has set up this world is to be a performance-based system. If you think about this, who is rewarded the most in the world? It's those who perform. Um, it's those who are the best at what they do. Who gets paid millions of dollars for playing a sport? What athletes make the most money? Um, they don't pay Patrick Mahomes coming off the heels of another Super Bowl victory. They don't pay him $500 million because they like him. They pay him that because he wins Super Bowls. He performs at a high level. We all got to see if we watch the Super Bowl, um, Taylor Swift over and over again, right? Well, she doesn't make the money she makes because she just has a great personality. She makes the money she makes because she's very talented and she does well. People who excel in business and people who are good CEOs or presidents of companies or whatever it may be, they make the money they make and they've achieved the position that they've achieved because they perform. Uh, you look at athletics even at a lower level. The people who play in the games are the better performers. They're rewarded by getting on the field because they perform the best. So what ends up happening for us is we end up taking this performance mindset. It lines up really well with the Old Testament mindset of performance, which then makes sense to us that if I'm going to get to God, then I must have to perform. There's something that I must have to do if I'm going to truly be accepted by God. And so we come to faith in Jesus, but still in the back of our mind and even in our subconscious and in what we've been taught, there is this thing in us that says, I've still got to earn it. And so God has this plan of reconciliation that he's had from the beginning when sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, that it would always be by faith through Jesus. We see that Abraham, even way back to Abraham, he was made righteous by faith in believing God's promise. But it's the same thing for us. We're made right with God by believing in Christ, the promised one. And so he has this plan of reconciliation that he's been working out that will actually culminate when Christ returns, when the new heaven and the new earth descend. But here's the thing. The way God did this was through his unconditional love. See, what happens is God's unconditional love comes to us through Christ. We accept Christ and this great love and this experience of this love then compels us, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, his love compels us to go into the world and to do the things that we were created to do. 
but we're not doing the things in the world so that God would love us. His love is what compels us to go and do this. And if you think about it, if it starts with God and His love comes to us freely and we are forgiven and we're made right with God and we have relationship with God and that love compels us to go to the world and we're telling people about Christ and we're becoming more like Christ, then who's glorified in the world? God is because it's all a work of God. It's all the work that comes from God. Even our faith, the Bible says, is a gift from God. And so this is how God designed it. But as I said before, there is another system that is at work in the world. And it's very contrary to the gospel or God's plan of reconciliation. And the world teaches us a very different system. And what the world teaches us is that it all begins with us. It all starts with us. I have to perform well um, in the world so that I can be accepted by God. Um, I have to perform well in the world so that I can somehow create for myself value and worth. Um, This is why winning matters so much to us. This is why... Um, performing matters so much to us. It's why we feel um, elated if we do well and we feel shame if we don't do well. It's because in our mind, in the world we live in, our value and worth is derived by how we perform in the world. Now, if you think about this, if it begins with us and it begins with our effort and our performance and we attain to some type of value and worth in the world, then who does that glorify? That glorifies us. And so that's even really a man-centered gospel where we would be the one who's glorified through this. But it goes even deeper really than that. What ends up happening is as we perform, if we can ever perform well and we find value and worth in something, then ultimately that thing that determines my value and worth will become that place that I find acceptance. And so if I can find acceptance, and we all are looking for acceptance in some way, if I can find acceptance in something, that something will ultimately become my identity. I'll tell you a story to try to help this make sense. So when we moved to Statesboro, this was back in 1985, I'm old, We moved to Statesboro, had a really hard time making friends uh, while uh, we first moved here. And so went through the fall and winter and really had um, uh, just very little contact with friends. Hadn't really made any friends at that point. But baseball season came around. And I went out for baseball. I played baseball all my life up to that point um, and was pretty good at baseball. Well, I go out and... People are watching me play. Well, all of a sudden, the coaches are coming to me at the tryouts and telling me they want me on their team. All of a sudden, the players are coming to me, and they want to know who I am. They want to hang out. They want to get to know me. And so I find this place in baseball that I find value and worth. I find this place in baseball that I feel accepted. And so guess what happened? Baseball became my identity. I began to see myself as a baseball player. And so what I would do is I 
put everything I had into baseball. I worked hard at baseball. I worked harder than anybody else um, around us in baseball. Um, I worked hard enough to get a scholarship to Georgia Southern uh, to play baseball. But in that, um, after about three years at Southern, uh, that dream came to an end um, of continuing to play baseball. And at some point, everybody has to quit playing. For me, it was... Uh, when I was about 21, 22 years old. And after that happened, I really didn't know who I was, who I identified myself as for all those years. Uh, that was gone. So who am I now? But I had to rediscover who I was. And it wasn't really until after I got saved and even years after I got saved that I began to understand that my identity, my value and worth is wrapped up in Jesus. It's not wrapped up in my performance, that by faith I've been clothed in righteousness, that I no longer have to perform to be accepted. God has accepted me as I am, that here right now as I sit, I'm okay. I'm right with God. It doesn't mean I get everything perfect. It doesn't mean that God doesn't correct me or convict me. But what it does mean is I can be corrected and I can be convicted of things that I need to release to God without being condemned. And there's a big difference in that. It's a big difference in understanding that God accepts me because of my faith in Jesus. And now I'm his son than it is to think that somehow I have to work for that acceptance. And so we have to come to this place and realize that God's plan for us is not to earn salvation. God's plan for us is not to fulfill the law to be made right with Him. If we're going to be mended and we're going to be restored, it's going to happen in part because we come to this revelation that God loves me. Why does he love me? Because he loves me. But, but why does he love me? Because he's love. He loves me, period. And when we begin to realize that, the mending and restoring process can happen. We no longer have to look for acceptance through people. We no longer have to look for acceptance and love from uh, the, the job or our career or the things that we do we realize that our acceptance comes through God. And when we realize that it all starts with God and His unconditional love comes to us through Christ, that Christ made us right with God, and that love compels us to go to the world, um, we begin to glorify God, and it, it really goes full circle, and God is the one who's glorified. And it's very freeing. Um, I've experienced this in my own life, that as I look at Scripture and I discover more and more who I am in Christ, it sets me free from the expectations of others. I no longer feel the pressure the way I used to feel when I go to preach a message. I, I don't feel like my acceptance is based off of, was that message good or was that message bad? I ask myself two questions. Did I say what God told me to say, and did I do my best in saying it? And if the answers to those two are yes, then that's all that's expected of me. And so I'm able to know that God is accepting me, not because of my performance, but because he loves me as his son. Um, if the answer to one of those questions is no, then I repent of that. 
I said, God, forgive me. And the next week, I do my best to say what God tells me to say. But that's all that God would ask. That's all that God would ask of you. And if you can say, at the end of the day, I did my best to do what God told me to do, then put your head on a pillow and go to sleep. If you didn't, then turn your heart back to God. Have a second thought that corrects a first and allow God to continue to move in your heart and in your life, knowing that you're in progress. You're not a project that's going to be completed um, all at one time. And so what I really want to encourage you with today is to recognize the system of the world that tells us it's all about performance, understanding that the Old Testament even was about keeping law and about performing. But as it says in Romans 3.21, now there is a righteousness that has been made known that is apart from the law. It's why it's called amazing grace, because of what God has done for us in Christ. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. This is what brings us to worship. This is what brings us um, encouragement and boldness to go into the world and do what he's called us to do. Uh, there's no more fear of failure because I know my failure or my success doesn't determine my value and worth. I can actually take greater steps of faith. So I want you to be encouraged today that your value and worth is secure in Christ, that your acceptance is secure in Christ, that God loves you just because he loves you, and that that truth, when it sinks deeply into our heart, it compels us to go into the world to do what God's created us to do, to make him known, to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope you can see the truth in this. And again, my prayer is that the truth would set you and that the truth would set me free.